The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The Iranian attack on al-Assad was in retaliation for a stunning U.S. operation President Trump ordered six nights earlier. A drone strike which killed Iran's most powerful general, Qasem Soleimani. The blood of many Americans is on the hands of Qasem Soleimani. He was as close to an indispensable man as you could find inside Iran. Where he went, violence and death followed. So do you remember that story, old Soleimani? Bad guy, killed lots of uh, U.S. soldiers, one of the worst people on earth. And uh, Trump administration uh, turned him to dust. Had a little good feature on that on 60 Minutes last night, part of this story on how that actually occurred. Man, we had all the intelligence on him. You would possibly need to obliterate a guy. And uh, actually had cameras on him as he walked out of the airport and got in his car, and then they just told the planes overhead, all right, he's in the car, we saw him, so take him out whenever it seems like a good idea. Mm -hmm. Take your shot when you got it. (laughs) They just obliterated him, which is awesome. The thing is, though, and you might barely remember this story, Iran... Uh, there was an expectation that w- Iran would strike back at the United States when we did that. How bad is it going to be? Where is it going to come? All that sort of stuff. Remember, they got so jumpy there for a while that they shot down a Ukrainian airliner full of 170-some innocent passengers who all died because they were so jumpy there at I the airport. I think that was around. right after Iran's counterattack. Oh, you're right. they thought we were going to yeah. counter-counterattack. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, they fired a bunch of missiles at our base. In Iraq, and I remember the story at the time being, and the way the president portrayed it and the way it played out in the media was it wasn't a very big deal. And, and I, I, you know, I'm having trouble remembering where I was getting all my information at the time, but I remember the, the, the gist of it was, was they give us the heads up. They had to, you know, they had to save face in the world stage uh, to their own people. They couldn't mm-hmm. just, you know, 
take having their top general assassinated and not retaliate. So they let us know, look, we're going to lob a couple of missiles toward one of your bases. We're not going to hit anything. We're not going to hurt anybody. Get everybody out of there. That's not at all the way it played out at all. It's not even close to the true story as uh, portrayed here last night on 60 Minutes. Hey, buddy. If you're seeing this video, some bad things happened to Deb last night. So I need you to be strong, okay? For mom. And just always know in your heart that I love you, okay? Bye, buddy. A few hours after Army Major Alan Johnson recorded that message to his son, Iranian ballistic missiles began raining down on Al-Assad Air Base in Iraq, where 2,000 U.S. troops were based. As a drone recorded the attack, Americans caught in the crosshairs could do nothing but run or duck in cover. Holy, Holy God damn! Each missile carried a warhead weighing more than 1,000 pounds. Stay right here, bro. Don't move. So we got as many people out as there as we could. We, we figured out that that wasn't a Iran called us and said, hey, we're going to lob a couple of missiles your mm-hmm. way, get everybody out. No, we figured it out. Thank God from our intelligence that they were moving around their, uh, their ballistic missiles and we're going to fire them at us. And we got as many people out as we could, but we had to leave a certain number behind. And the, the, the number we left behind, as you heard that guy right there, they thought there was a decent chance they were going to die. Yeah, well, Iran lobbed 18 heavy ballistic missiles at that base, hit it 15 times, and it is a miracle among miracles that none of our fellows were killed, none of our gals were killed. Now, there were some pretty significant brain injuries, which we can talk about, um, which were really not discussed at the time. Here's a little more from the 60 Minutes piece. Johnson was taking cover in a bunker designed to protect troops against much smaller warheads, weighing only 60 pounds. Knocked the wind out of me, followed by... The most putrid-tasting ammonia-tasting uh, dust that swept through the bunker coated your teeth. After the blast wave and debris came the flames. The fire was just rolling over the bunker, you know, like 70 feet in the air. Johnson's bunker provided no protection from that. We're going to burn to death. We start heading down 135 meters, make it about a third of the way there. The big voice, we call it. Clicks in, incoming, incoming, take cover, take cover, take cover. I've got another football field to run. I don't know when this next missile is going to hit. Can you hear the incoming? Like a freight train going by you. So uh, I'll let him roll on a little bit more with the description, and then we'll discuss this. It's six people running for their lives to get to this next bunker. Uh, We get to the bunker and realize there's roughly 40 people trying to stuff themselves into this bunker that's made for about 10 folks. And I grabbed the guy in front of me, and I'm just like, you got to get in the bunker, and just like like shoved everybody in there. But when you're running between bunkers, it's just a matter of what, luck? Luck. The only thing I can actually come up with is that the hand of God protected us, because really nobody should have lived through this. So Iran was trying to kill hundreds of U.S. soldiers. Hundreds, because they thought they were all still there. Most mm-hmm. of most of our guys and women got out of there, but the ones that were left behind, as he said, all should have died. They just miraculously did not. 
Right. You know, I feel like I shouldn't know this, but they, they detailed how Iran gets their intelligence from commercially available spy satellites. And we knew when they got their last edition of them. And so we waited till they downloaded their spy satellite pictures of our fully manned aircraft laden base. And as soon as they got those pictures, the evacuation began. And like lightning, we cleared the airfields. We got as many people out as was possible and, and, and practical. Um, and Iran thought they were attacking a full airbase, a, a huge sprawling airbase, but a full airbase, which is, uh, I remember at the time I interpreted what happened the way Jack was describing it as if Iran had to respond, but they didn't really want to escalate. And so, you know, maybe through back channels, they worked it out. But no, that's that was just wrong. They were t- attempting to take out dozens of our planes and maybe hundreds of our soldiers. That was their which- intent which would have brought the righteous wrath of the United States down on their heads. Oh, the the public pressure to to attack immediately would have been overwhelming. Plus the kind of guy Trump is. Right. Um and I would agree with him by the way. Um I think yeah, we would have been at war with Iran that afternoon. Why was it and since Trump knew that's what the intent was, obviously, I'm sure the Pentagon, you know, knew. Well, obviously, the Pentagon knew what the intent was. Um, why did we pretend it wasn't just to de-escalate? I think, and and again, I just admitted to being completely wrong during round one. So take this with as many grains of salt as you want. I can picture the advisors, uh, you know, the the dream team there in the Oval Office or the Situation Room, saying, "Look, we can whoop the hell out of Iran." now or later, if we decide that's the right thing to do. If if the American people get whipped up, then we're going to have to. So let's keep everything calm. Let's look at our options. Let's see what happens next. That's my guess. I watch this with my, he'll be 11 this Sunday, uh, 11-year-old, um, 10-year-old, and uh, uh, he was fascinated by this story, and you know, we kept pausing it and discussing various parts of it, and I got into that whole, the first casualty of war is the truth thing, because that's clearly the story here. For whatever reason, our government decided it was a better idea to not let us know that one of our arch enemies had really taken a shot at us. And we decided to keep that secret. Um, why is it coming out now? That was, what, a year and a half ago? Why did we decide to let the full story out now, right when things are really going back and forth on a daily hourly basis over the weekend between the Biden administration and Iran in this whole negotiation of whether or not we're going to get back into the uh, the uh, agreement that the Obama people had. Yeah, the JCPOA. Uh, that's an interesting question. Why now? I guess you'd have to ask 60 Minutes. Maybe they're sitting on it, waiting for something to happen with Iran? I don't know. I mean, 60 Minutes or the Pentagon? The, the Pentagon. I didn't get the sense, did you, that 60 Minutes like uncovered something the Pentagon didn't want us to know. No, absolutely not. No, so the Pentagon decided at some point, fairly recently, it's time to let the American people know. We got to let. I don't know what it is. I, I I don't know if it's to try to have public support if we need to attack Iran because they're continuing to enrich uranium in a way that only makes sense for getting a bomb. They're doing mm-hmm. that like today, as I as I'm speaking right now. And we've told them to stop, and they've said, no, we're not going to stop. And they also said last week, we're not going to let you. The whole surprise inspections is over. So we're getting to a pretty dicey point. So is that the point for? So you're thinking maybe the Biden administration went to 60 Minutes and said, hey, if you want the full story, we have drone footage for you. 
We have interviews. We'll let you talk to the general in charge. It's my only guess is they don't want yeah. it to come completely out of nowhere if we have to strike Iran, strike one of their facilities, which we may do this week. Yeah, well, that would be some pretty decent PR manipulation if it's true. I don't have the slightest idea, though. Well, there's some reason it was kept secret and some reason it's secret no more. Yeah, true. And, and it's not I'm, I'm a minor thing, I don't think. Right. That, is, that is wild. It was the biggest ballistic missile attack on U.S. forces ever. Now, part of the reason for that is the technology did not exist in World War II or Vietnam or the Iraq War or any of those times. But, I mean, it was a hell of an effort by Iran to kill a whole bunch of our people and take out of a whole bunch of our planes. They said uh, the Iranian bombs were more accurate than they'd anticipated, the ballistic missiles. Uh, we have way, way, way better bombs than they do and way more of them. Uh, but it's notable. They could hit a, uh, a base from hundreds of miles away. Maybe that is the calculation. We could obliterate the entire country of Iran if we have to at any moment. So we don't have to do it right now. Maybe that's it. Maybe you're right. Yeah. yeah It'll be I an su- interesting story to so. follow. We, we should have Mike Lyons on. I'd be interested in his opinion on this. Oh, I'd love to why talk to Mike about this. Why we kept it secret and why it's no secret no more. Yeah, let's do that. Let's work on that. Speaking of Donald J. Trump, he was at CPAC uh, yesterday. Did you hear the speech? It was, uh, I would say the theme was Republicans, let's unite uh, on my terms. But he absolutely was was for reforming and reinvigorating the Republican Party. Some pretty good clips we can play. If you haven't heard it, stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. We're not starting new parties. You know, they kept saying, he's going to start a brand new party. We have the Republican Party. It's going to unite and be stronger than ever before. I am not starting a new party. That was fake news. Fake news. No. Wouldn't that be brilliant? Let's start a new party and let's divide our vote so that you can never win. No, we're not interested in that. So that's his calculation, um, and uh, I don't know who started the idea that he's going to, that it'll be the Patriot Party, and he's discussing it. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, who knows. Right. We'll never know. Right. But the uh, CPAC speech yesterday, Donald J. Trump there in Florida, <clears throat> remarkably statesmanlike and disciplined, all about unity. It was, you know, unity on a, a Trumpy uh, path, which is fine. Of course, it would be from him, uh, but I thought it was uh, it was good. I was afraid he was going to lay waste, honestly which would do conservatism no good, I don't think. Um, the fact that he didn't means uh, he's at least you know, holding out the possibility he's going to run again, it would seem to me. Yeah, let's cl- uh, roll clip 34. But who knows? Who knows? I may even decide to beat them for a third time, okay? Beat them for a third time. How do you not run if you hear that? Yeah, I think people who go to conventions by definition are weirdos. I mean, unless you're going like we want his press to watch it, but 
Like well, you're the, that's, that's judgmental. I do not join Jack with that terrible opinion. Everybody who goes to a convention, you go to the Democratic convention, the Republican convention, you're some sort of weirdo. You wear the hat and the dance Comic-Con around to the music. Convention, you're all the same person. You jump up and down for politicians. <laughs> Plumber, plumbers convention. Like it's the Beatles. I just think that's weird. But anyway, um, yeah, he's he, he, he's got to be eating up the uh, the adoration because he likes the uh, he like he likes that setting, uh, no doubt. But uh, yeah, I, I him structuring his speech the way he did it seems clear to me. That he's at least holding out the idea of running again. I have no idea. I have no idea what his calculations are. I don't know if he if the calculation is only if I thought I could win or uh, I have no idea. I have no idea. If I were a betting man, wait, I am a betting man. Uh, I would bet more heavily on Donald Jr. than I would on Donald Sr. I don't think Trump wants the job again. He's going to be Joe Biden old. He's going to be comfortable. He's going to be playing golf with his buddies in Florida. Uh, but I could see Jr. Now, interestingly, they did some straw polls at the CPAC. You're, you're hardcore conservative activists. Uh, 55% supported Trump if any candidate was available. Uh, 21% Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. And at this early, early date, that's a pretty strong show of support. Now, without Trump as an option, DeSantis led the field with 43%, followed by South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem with 11%. We actually have a clip or two of her, don't we? Maybe we'll play him. Uh, former Vice President Mike Pence at a robust 1%. My man Tim Scott, I don't think, got uh, many votes at all. I was told his speech was kind of iffy, just not great. No idea. I didn't see it, but uh, so I'm going on other people's opinions. Forgive me if that is incorrect in yours. Uh, let's get an idea of uh, Christy Noem. H- hit me with clip 31. We never focused on the case numbers. Instead, we kept our eye on hospital capacity. Now, Dr. Fauci, he told me that on my worst day, I'd have 10,000 patients in the hospital. On our worst day, we had a little over 600. Now, I don't know if you agree with me, but Dr. Fauci is wrong a lot. Oh, I know something I want to mention. I thought I think it's interesting in the modern world. Uh, CNN, because I, I was jumping around uh, on the dial while Trump was speaking. Fox carried it wall to wall. CNN and MSNBC not only didn't carry it, they didn't like they really worked hard to pretend it wasn't happening. I mean, like there wasn't even anything on the scroll. And so that's part of the whole He's disseminating lies that the election was stolen, so we're not going to let him do that. But he is the second most popular political figure in America. And you would think if you cover news, what, you know, somebody who got 74 million votes is saying for the first time back in front of a crowd is by definition news, no matter what he says. Well, the key phrase in your little screed there is if they covered news, if yeah. they were a news right. network. Right. Yeah. I, I really clearly not. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there's no, there's no denying that's news. That's legitimate news. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Although they don't want to promote the, the conservatives. I, I get it. I don't expect that from them. Mm-hmm. Gnome, gnome, gnome. You're chanting gnome? Yes. I, I, I'm a, I'm, I got to come up with a slogan. I'm, I'm going for no, no, that's not good. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. 
I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In the town there was a breakdown As the moonlight hit the town But it was our noon and somebody's head The chief, well you're not going to like this. The chief, <laughs> the chief of the Cherokee Nation is calling on car maker Jeep to stop using the tribe's name on its vehicles. So Jeep has agreed to change the name to, wow, the Aunt Jemima Mobile. <laughs> 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 That seems unlikely. <laughs> That's a pretty good joke. That is pretty funny. <laughs> That'd be a bad idea. I thought they're opening on Saturday Night Live. Um, the uh, the Dr. Fauci stuff and everything like that. I thought that was classic Saturday Night Live. You had a bunch of different politicians, Republicans and Democrats. The joke wasn't partisan. It was just kind of a joke. It wasn't a. It was. An, it was an actual skit. It was a yeah. sketch. It wasn't just cosplaying an actual event that we all watch play on the news, which is what they did so often. <laughs> right. Well, and the part I appreciated, it was a game show, a mock game show, yeah. in which bonehead governors tried to decide who would get the vaccine and who wouldn't. And it was from the point of view of the citizens. You know, it was the point of view of those of us who were trying to get the damn vaccine. So it was good. Right. And there was none of it, even though there were a bunch of politicians involved, none of it was the your side's dumb, my side's right stuff. And I just thought, yeah, that's what Saturday Night Live was, except for the Trump years. And I thought it was pretty good. I love what's-her-name. 
Uh, I can't remember her name. Who does the Ted Cruz now? She's a oh. great Ted Cruz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. funny. I got to um, admit, as a guy who likes Ted, and I agree with him a lot, it was uh, a devastating portrayal. So I mentioned this earlier. Nicolas Sarkozy, the former president of France, was found guilty on corruption charges and is getting a one-year prison sentence. We, oui. Former president sentenced to a year in prison. What did he do? Well, he took campaign money from Libya, which is against the law. But How much then, campaign money did Libya have to offer? But then when he was really, he really got in trouble for, he tried to bribe a judge so that he wouldn't be in trouble for that. So the judge that was involved in the trial for him taking the campaign money, he offered the judge the ambassadorship to Morocco. Hmm. So like, hey, judge, you, you and your family want to go uh, all expense paid trip for like three years? Live in a giant palace? Uh, nothing you got to do? Uh, how's that sound uh-huh. to you? How do you like judging? Do you love it? Do you not love it? I got an idea for it. Well, now he's in trouble for that. He's got to uh, bribe the uh, judge in the uh, judge bribing trial. <laughs> Give him ambassador to, I don't know, somewhere nice. God, is there anybody that ends up with an ambassadorship to a non-important country that it isn't some sort of bribe? Anyone? It's a reward. Okay. A reward. You want yeah. to call it a reward? Fine. I do. That's hey, why I called it a reward. I am looking for re- rewards. Well, uh, donate, uh, bundle uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, Sean. That's what I would suggest to you. All right. I'll see how my crypto stuff We'll give you ambassador to Haiti, and you can work your way up from there. (laughs) So last week we had... Actually, Haiti could be incredibly beautiful. The Dominican Republic, which is the same island, is uh, quite pleasant. It's all about politics and governance. Anyway. Uh, Do you think Prince Philip and the Queen are still doing it? Good Lord. Um... I'm not. I'm. I'm disassociating myself from this. He got the COVID, and there's some concern that she's at risk. Ninety-nine-year-old uh, Queen Elizabeth, but I don't know how close they are to each other on a daily basis. I have no idea. All right. But he's was, been moved to a different hospital. You. Was it? That's yes. hard to imagine. Yes. Even me. Michael, was okay. it beneath Jack? I think it was. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> then, uh, like what Joe said earlier, edit that out of the when you air this. Yeah, exactly. Um, last week we reported Alexei Navalny was missing. So he'd gotten moved from a Moscow prison and nobody knew where he was. And, you know, f- for obvious reason, there was some concern that he is dead and he just never heard from again. Um, he's alive. He has turned up. The Russian opposition leader who has been poisoned a couple of times now, right? Yes. So he had. He had acid thrown in his face or something? He's been beaten more times than he can count. Poisoned. Then arrested as soon as he came back to the country. All for the crime of uh, letting the world know that Putin is a murderous crook. Uh, He is now going to serve the rest of his prison sentence, which is for nothing, by the way. They just threw him in prison and made up a charge. Uh, At a notoriously harsh penal colony, inmates are forced to stand for hours with their hands clasped behind their backs, forbidden from making eye contact with guards. Your personality gets deformed, said one person who has spent time at that prison. So he's basically going to be tortured for years in a prison. Wow. Uh, and he remember, he announced a couple of weeks ago, he said, I'm not going to kill myself. If you hear I killed myself, I didn't kill myself. They're going to put him in a prison like this. At some point, he's going to be found dead in his cell, and they'll claim he killed himself. Right, That's right. almost certainly and- what's going to happen. Then you compare and contrast that with, and we should have mentioned this story earlier, there was another giant riot in Portland over the weekend. 
Antifa types, black, what's their face, uh, black flag? No, that's a metal band, black block. Uh, a bunch of uh, communist Marxist organizations smashed up businesses, government offices, Starbucks, etc. It was it was branded as an anti-ICE march and protest, uh, immigration customs enforcement, but it was really just a Marxist smashing things up rally. Uh, and they go around with their masks, acting like they're brave revolutionaries, smashing Starbucks windows. You look like a, you look at a guy like Alexei Navalny. Now, now that is a patriot. And that is a man of towering courage. I hope he doesn't die for it. We mentioned Russia as a totalitarian government we should be afraid of. I've got a couple of China notes for you. But first this. A word from our friends at CarShield. Despite your efforts to budget and put aside savings, sometimes you get hit with that big car repair, and it's just devastating. It's a major setback. Well, CarShield can protect you from paying thousands for a covered repair, like if your A.C. goes out when the hot weather starts or maybe your GPS stops working. And when your car breaks down, you also get roadside assistance, rental coverage, and trip reimbursement, all at no additional charge. You get to pick your favorite mechanic to do the work. CarShield's administrators take care of the rest. CarShield's helped over a million drivers already. That's why they are America's number one auto protection company. So get covered by CarShield. You won't be on the hook to pay thousands. Uh, Just go to carshield.com and use the code Armstrong to save 10%. That's carshield.com, and you're going to be using the code Armstrong. A deductible may apply. Carshield.com, and go ahead and use that code Armstrong. Meanwhile, in China, I read this over the weekend, that every one of the protest leaders from the Hong Kong protests, remember that when people were in the street, arm-in-arm, thousands, water cannons, paint, all that sort of stuff? Hundreds of thousands, yeah. Um, uh, Yeah, all the leadership, and it's a lot of them, are either in exile or jail at this point. So they pretty much crushed that in China. And this story is out today. China appears to warn India. You don't want China and India going at it. Push too hard and the lights could go out. As border skirmishing increases there between China and India, malware began to flow into the Indian electric grid, a study shows, and a blackout hit Mumbai, and it now looks like it was a warning. They'd had the skirmishes, and China said a warning to India, hey, we know how to turn off your electricity. I'll bet it ain't that hard. I mean, if if they can turn off, you know, if, if people can hack into the United States Pentagon, I'll bet hacking into the electric grid in India is not that hard. No. Uh, by no. comparison. And uh, it would seem... It's being read as China said a warning to India, hey, knock it off on the border. We'll turn off your lights whenever we feel like it. So there's a lot of hot spots around the world that could go funky at any moment. Yeah, I've got to admit, I kind of like anything that drives India finally. Into our arms. Permanently into arms. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Make sure they don't get too cozy with the Chinese because the Chinese are trying to expand their sphere of influence as fast as they can by any means they can find. This tweet from Cardi B that I found hilarious. I don't remember how I came across this. So Cardi B tweets this out out of nowhere. She's a funny person. And she's the one that's a for real, like, gangster, right? She ain't ain't kidding. Life on the streets? So, yeah, she's familiar. She's the one that used to roll Johns when she was a stripper? Is that her? Yep. Wow. Anyway, she tweeted uh, yesterday, So last night my chef made crab legs, but I fell asleep. Can I microwave the crab legs today? Or you can't microwave crab legs. (laughs) <laughs> she's hilarious <laughs> or you can't microwave crab, crab legs i don't know has she gotten over that unfortunate uh medical condition she was talking about no not that one the uh she, she got uh, the uh you know, oh, the woman the, as president condition right 
She's yeah. suffering from from WAP. Yes. I hope she got a cream or an ointment. Um, <laughs> Whatever it takes. Yep. I don't know why this just popped into my head. I, I I noted this yesterday when we were at the park. So my son and I go to the park to play catch with a ball and a mitt, and it was really fun and really awesome. But as we're walking over to the park, there was this uh, girl, and I assume her boyfriend, working out behind the school, and uh, young, super fit. I mean, looked like straight out of a Nike commercial. Fit and both like you know movie star, good looking. Nice and, and and wearing the 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 workout gear. He's shirtless in some sort of athleisure pants, and she's wearing the sports bra and you know the yoga pants. And Put on your shirt. But we were there playing catch for probably an hour, and the entire time they were doing like lunges and jumping up on tabletops and weight stuff and everything like that. The entire hour without a break. And for some reason, it occurred to me as we were walking back, I thought, you know, everybody wants to look like those people, but nobody wants to do what they were doing, even for that hour. And that's probably a a portion of what they did today and do every single day of their lives. We all want to look like that. Nobody wants to pay the price to look like that. I met a couple the other day. They said, we're both really into fitness. And I'm like, wow, good for you. Fitness taco into my mouth. (laughs) Hilarious. Oh, weren't you going to bring us something about baloney? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Baloney-related news item? But, you know, and they, and yeah, there's the other end of it. They probably eat right, too. So not only am I not going to do what they were doing there every single day of my life, I'm not going to eat, you know, lettuce and grapes for my meals every meal. No so, way. <laughs> Fitness taco went into my mouth. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I love tacos, the delicious Mexican sandwich that is the taco. That's funny. We had that conversation just last night because we had hot dogs. <laughs> On whether a hot dog is a sandwich. I said, Joe, Joe believes. <laughs> and I said the same thing I always say. If you ask anybody, say, you want a sandwich? And they say yes. And you come back with either a hot dog or a taco. They're going to say, what the hell is this? Is it a say, this sandwich? Is, this is delicious. <laughs> well, that's on them. That's not my problem. <laughs> Ignorance. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I can do this quickly. 277 pounds of contraband baloney found in the floorboards at the New Mexican border. Somebody is trying to slip baloney into the United States. And, and <laughs> what, have you ever heard of cocaine? I mean, per pound. The oh, old, what's it, how, how serious a crime is it to smuggle in baloney? It's way too big. They face a $1,000 fine. But the only reason I mention this is I had a buddy who was from Italy that would so... Um, he would sew pepperoni and bologna into his luggage and sneak it back into the United States. What? And I never understood it until I went to Italy to visit him and thought, this is what salami is supposed to taste like? This is the greatest thing I've ever had in my life. Mm. So in the United States, so let me read the stupid reason that they used Pasteurized and homogenized? Bologna containing pork products is banned from entering the U.S. because of the potential for animal diseases. Yeah, also the potential for flavor. We are so uptight about these things that almost never happen in the United States. All of our cheese, bologna, milk products of any kind, everything like that, is so flavorless compared to the rest of the world. How many people are dead in the streets in Italy from eating bologna? Nobody. But we treat it like a scourge and a $1,000 fine. And We arrested somebody at the border trying to sneak bologna with flavor into the country. That good thing we <laughs> caught them. Yeah, no kidding. It's just stupid. Put him in Gitmo. Of all the things to worry about. <laughs> well, it, it, it's yeah, just, he would sew baloney into his luggage and get it onto the plane that way. 
literally playing hide the salami. <laughs> um, there's there's an element of we're going to be perfectly safe and we will live forever and hate every minute of it in modern America's society that I just I don't get. Man, have we lost that sense of adventure that made us great as a country? You have a legal baloney, I'll buy it from you. Be more than happy to buy a legal baloney at a premium. You'll make a wow. profit. You can start fencing baloney, and I'll be I'll be your John or what do you call the person who buys this stuff? Buyer? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not that into cool illegal name. baloney trade. <laughs> a customer. Exactly. Hungry, fat, probably. <laughs> <laughs> All of those. Things. It can be a number of things, actually. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Now, lately, Republicans have been trying to appropriate the term cancel culture to describe what happens to them when they get a just comeuppance for actual crimes. And this muddying the water is unfortunate because cancel culture is real, it's insane, and it's growing exponentially, and it's coming to a neighborhood near you. If you think it's just for celebrities, no. In an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. It's like we're all trapped in the hills have eyes and Wi-Fi. That's Bill Maher from Friday night, and I absolutely agree with him that uh, cancel culture is a threat to everyone, and it's coming for everybody. His, you know, Republicans are using it inappropriately. Yes, so are lots of people. I talked last hour about the New York Times article where they were, the woman was calling trying to get critical race theory out of schools cancel culture no that's that's not what that no. is no um, and it's in the eye of the beholder anyway right but his, his greater point remains absolutely and bill maher goes on and 62 percent of americans say they have opinions they're afraid to share 80 percent of americans young old rich poor conservative liberal white minority all hate the current atmosphere of hypersensitivity. Yeah, everybody hates it, and no one stands up to it. Because it's always the safe thing to swallow what you really think and just join the mob. So if someone asks you if Justin Timberlake owes Britney Spears an apology for not being a perfect boyfriend when they were teenagers, just say yes. Easy, as Justin did issuing an abject apology and then vowing to return sexy back to where he found it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, God, he's so right about that. Um, Everybody hates it, yet it continues. I don't know if he's right about what drives it. So he thinks it's just easier to go along with it. I think what happens is I hate cancel culture, except for in this case. I, yeah, I, I that's think, some I think, people. I think when our ox gets gored, we make an exception. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I think what he's talking about, though, is it can be defeated, the, the evil, the insidious, poisonous sort of cancel culture, if everybody who rejects it rejects it out loud. Um, and it, it's easy for him, it's easy for us to lecture people about standing up against it. But we read a, a note from... Al Anonymous, who got fired from his job for just asking questions at the racist, anti-racist training. I'm, I'm telling you, if I had a regular job and they were doing the ra- the anti-racist training at my company, I'm not saying anything. 
I got a couple of kids, and uh, one of them I need the medical insurance bad, and no, I'm not. I'm not going to fight this fight. Yeah, I hear you. Well, one of the things that gets me up in the morning is doing it for y'all, because I know some of you are in the position where you just got to keep your mouths shut, and some, you know, there's probably a little cowardice somewhere, but not what you're describing. I mean, I appreciate Bill Maher's point of view, but he's got so much money in the bank, he doesn't care, and not everybody's in that position, well, but you, I'm more than happy to, to bang the gong for you if you can't. Well, he could be addressing also the mobs that jump onto social media demanding things, writing letters to, to companies. But again, I, I wonder how he would feel. Well, I think Bill, Bill Maher's pretty much straight across the board anti-cancel culture. He, mm-hmm. he remember Because he stood up for Rush Limbaugh, and he hates Rush Limbaugh, but he didn't want Rush Limbaugh canceled. Because um, Bill Maher got canceled once. He had a very big show on ABC called Politically Incorrect, and he got canceled right after, ni- right after 9-11 for saying something that wasn't politically correct on a show called Politically Incorrect, um, which is kind of weird. Um, that's what the show is for. If you don't want that sort of thing, maybe don't watch it. No, uh, but what he said was really bad. Okay. Uh, so he he pretty much stands up for it. But I think he's just saying, you know, don't... don't like, Somebody we like. I saw Ian Bremmer, who we've had on the show many times, and I like Ian Bremmer's um, uh, uh, thinkings about the world. But he was encouraging people to write letters to sponsors of Tucker Carlson's show. Yeah, to that get was the worst thing Ian's ever tweeted. Yeah, I, did, terrible. I, just, I hate that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. How about you put your ideas up against those ideas and see which one wins? Anytime you want the silencing of your opponent, to me that's cowardice. I hate it. You're just saying your your ideas are, are not good enough to, to compete in the marketplace. Boy, and in a lot of these individual cases, hey, corporations, stand up to the, the few people that emailed you and, t- and tweeted at you and just ignore it. It'll go away. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.